Things to trust more than politicians. Cable company internet speeds. Stereo equipment out of a white van. Gas station sushi. Drinking water from Lake Erie. A weather forecast from Al Gore. Things you can trust. Well, let's start with someone immersed in the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And to separate noise from reality, here's Dan Newman. It's kind of ironic. You heard Pete Moss talking about somebody immersed in the truth. We don't have a lot of that going on right now. And I mean, even in the Christmas season, everybody seems to want to say the things that the people they're talking to want them to say, rather than just talking about the facts. There's so many moving parts in our lives right now today. I mean, there are facts everywhere that are hiding under bushes and trees and Guys have them in their briefcases. <laughs> you may think I'm uh, out on a trip. <laughs> I'm really not. Let me just give you an example of how I got to saying those things in the opening this morning. By the way, good morning and welcome to Teen and Live. It's always good to have you partners from around the globe sitting out there listening, maybe drinking coffee. Uh, We've got people in Australia and New Zealand listening right now. So you're doing dinner tomorrow. (laughs) It's crazy to think about all of you and the circumstances you face this December the 8th. In many cases, our circumstances are vastly different from those of each other. But yet here we are, we find some commonality. The reason, the principal reason you're listening today is because you're looking for real information, information that you can trust. That's what living today is all about, finding commonality instead of finding differences and just harping on the differences between us. We go into this thing every day, and our fundamental premise is always, you've got your life, your personality, your desires, the things that you know. And none of us, even if we do just what I said, and I think we do every day, none of us have it all put together. And so when we recognize that fact, we don't know everything. But then we make a commitment to find out and verify all the important things that come into our lives every day. And though your circumstances are vastly different from mine in most cases, it doesn't mean the priorities change. You've got yourself, your health, your business, your job, whatever you're doing, your family, your extended family, your community, your social life, your church, your social groups. They're all different, but they're all the same. It's just We have different labels that we stick on them. I may not have the same social life you do. And that's okay. I may have a different church, a different set of beliefs than you do. And that's okay too. This top-down thing that you and I are watching every day just get lower and lower above our atmosphere that's pushing and it's coming down And it is a force of evil. 
Maybe not evil, but maybe evil. It's a force that's pushing us all toward the same set of beliefs that whoever's driving the boat on this oppression want us to believe, demand that we believe, want to make us believe. Our temptation is to become fearful, to look at all these things and say, OMG, what am I going to do? I can't handle this. You know how you're going to handle it? The same way you're handling it right now. We get together. We compare notes. You hear things that I don't hear, and we all hear things that we interpret in different ways than others. And that's okay, too, because you're going to make your final decisions on everything based upon the whole set of circumstances that you have in your life. Same with me. And just because you're different, just because I'm different, that doesn't mean we need to demonize anybody and everybody that is not like-minded with us. And sadly, we are watching a bureaucracy of politicians, education, entertainment, media, social media. We're watching a group of people and companies that are joining forces to control all the information, all the entertainment, all the discernment of what's right, what's wrong, and they want to tell us every day, this is what you've got to do. That's been going on since the world existed. It's still going on. It has been going on around the globe, but not in the United States of America, not in the greatest country in world history, not on this continent. Yet Washington, D.C. is full of sycophants that believe that's their calling to control the populace, to determine what's okay to watch, hear, say, learn, and what's not. And they are unilaterally doing everything they can to amass authority to make those things part of everybody's lives. We call that totalitarianism. And I didn't invent the word. It was around way before me, as was totalitarianism. Today, we're going to talk about some of that. There's some examples of that popping up all around the globe. And you know what? Mainstream media tries to hide it from us. They don't want to talk about it. And when it's exposed, they don't want to talk about it. This Twitter exposure, expose, whatever you want to call it, where Elon Musk, he had to spend $40 billion to buy Twitter so that we could finally realize and know for a fact Big government has been clamping down on you and me, trying to hide it as long as possible. You know what that's about. They feel like if they can get us into that mode to begin to very slowly accept that as okay, when it's totally exposed, we're too far along to turn around and back up and get out of it. It's that frog in the water thing. I've talked about it all the time but it still is applicable. You got a pan of water and you got a frog. If you throw the frog in the pan of water, he's just going to swim around. He's going to like it. But if you heat up the pan of water and you throw the frog into the hot pan of water, he's going to jump right out. But that other frog, the one in the pan of regular water, 
if you just begin to turn the heat up underneath that frog, he's just going to continue to swim around in the water. And when he realizes, oh my gosh, this is really hot water, I got to get out of here, it's too late. That's what they're trying to do with us, is to get us dependent upon the government, reliant upon the government, and give us their authority to control us. And anybody that stands up against that, everybody that stands up against that, are portrayed to be evil. MAGA people, white supremacists, they put a label on you. Whether or not that label is accurate is immaterial. It's what they want to label you as. That's all that matters. And sadly, every day, I think you'll agree, Americans, a little more at a time, a little bit today, a little bit tomorrow, we're turning to Big Brother, Uncle Sam, for all of our solutions, all of our needs, everything we want and we feel like we should have, we turn to government. That is a historical 180-degree departure from what the United States of America is all about structurally. Can you change the structure? Sure. If enough people agree, those with power and authority push it that way, sure you can. Now there's probably not, let's just talk about Congress for a second. 535 elected officials. 535 people you and I voted for to go to Washington, D.C. We cede them the power to make decisions legislatively for us. It's not making those decisions legislatively for them. It's for all of us. We the people. I bet there's not one person out of those 535 that would admit it if you confronted them and said, do you really want to take over all the power to make all the decisions about every American's lives? Not a one of them would would say yes. And maybe they really don't look at it that way. But reality sometimes is the very thing that jumps up and slaps you in the face. And you go, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was going on. It may have been going on for a long time, but you didn't see it. You didn't recognize it. And the slap in the face is what made it happen. We've got some of that this morning. Senator Josh Hawley, Tucker Carlson from Fox News, Jim Jordan, congressman from Ohio, without even saying what I just said, they're here on the show today to reveal to you the facts of that so that you're not listening to a, uh, a media guy, an internet guy in Louisiana that is out in the blogosphere somewhere with his thinking, and he's coming up with these ideas. I don't want you to just listen to me and just benignly sign on and say, Dan said it, so it's so. That's not what this is about. This is about to give you things to consider and to challenge you to go verify them or go debunk them and come back to the show and give us that. I don't want to get caught up in falsehoods or untruths. I don't want to go there. There's a way of reason that every human being was born with. Reason to look at 
and consider circumstances and align those circumstances with their thoughts, their lives, and make a determination. Is it right? Is it wrong? Is it true? Is it false? And then move on through it. Typically, we don't even pay attention to that process, but it it happens. We've made it part of our thought process. My opinion is no better than yours on anything. Yours is no better than mine on anything. So why are people every day getting microphones, the big microphones, the ones that speak to not thousands of people in an internet show, but millions of people on satellite television around the world? They've got a bigger megaphone than we do here. Doesn't change the content the reality of the content, the truthfulness of the content. And just because you're not on a big major network doing a show doesn't mean you're you're wrong. That's not what it's about. It's about truth. And nobody has unilateral authority over the truth. We each have it for our own lives. If we have small children, we have that authority over our small children. What a way to start the show this morning. Kind of a bad vibe, damn, no it's not. It's time for us to just step up and say, hey, that's not right, that's not true. We know the facts. This Elon Musk Twitter revelation, all of those things, every single one that came out In all of that that Elon Musk released, every single thing, you and I have been talking about it here for years, we know it's going on. We know they know we know it's going on. And yet, they keep throwing it in our faces like, we don't care if you know about it. This is the way it's going to be. Americans, we need to push back against it. We need to continue to push back against it. Let's just for a second give you another example of it. You got the frog. (laughs) What about our election process? Here's the way that big group of power junkies work. If anybody that has a big microphone says anything with which they disagree, they immediately go to war to try to denigrate not just what that person claimed, but the person themselves. I've told you for years, three years here at TNN Live, when somebody is standing in front of you and they're screaming and hollering in your faces and they're waving one arm in the air saying, this is this and that is that and you've got to listen and if you don't, you're going to be a sycophant that is unattached to the facts and the truth. I've told you to ignore what they're screaming about and what's in their right hand. What's in the left hand that's behind their backs? Almost always, if you just consider what they're screaming and make your go-to point to immediately be what they're claiming we're doing, is exactly what they're doing and hiding from us. Those of us that 
I'll give you an example. We watched the documentary 2000 Mules regarding the 2020 election. And I mean, it's two hours of facts, actual video, confirmation. There was election fraud, rampant election fraud in 2020. There may have been in 2022. I don't know. But we actually saw evidence, documented evidence, people stuffing ballot boxes in Philadelphia, in Atlanta, Georgia, in the middle of the night, all illegal activity. And then somebody dares to raise their hand and says, uh, Mr. Congressman, Mr. Congresswoman, did you know there was cheating in the 2020 election? Would you look into it and do something about it? Did Congress do any of that? No, they didn't. Why not? They know it's there. They already know it's there. There's no need for them to launch any massive investigation. And then about the 2016 election, the 2018 election, every election, people after these elections say, hey, there's cheating going on. Well, they don't want to talk about it. They poopie you if you do. Donald Trump, the orange man, he just won't go away. And so he makes a very salient point. I mean, it was totally credible. Could he have worded it differently? Of course. He used the word terminate. And in the same sentence, the Constitution and the left took off with it. And I hear them raving still about that every day. They're screaming and hollering about Donald Trump wanting to terminate the terms of the Constitution. Of course, they pull it out of context. I read, quoting former President Trump for you on this show, exactly what he said in context. He was speaking specifically about the election structure in the United States that is open and rampant for crime And what we need to do is terminate in the election process the places that are not secure so that the American people can once again have confidence and trust our election systems. Yet, what's this power group? What are they doing out there? Their talking point of the day, of the week, of the month. Donald Trump wants to terminate the Constitution. So when they trumpet it, On their big news outlets, what happens? Everybody that listens, hears what they say. And they're looking, most people are looking at that right hand. They're screaming and waving around saying, Trump wants to terminate the Constitution. When what's behind their backs is the fact they want the Constitution terminated. They want to take over power. And forget about that Constitution thing. Forget about the three co-equal branches of government. Forget about the Supreme Court. Forget about rule of law. Forget about anything in government that they don't want to have in place. And until they can cancel it through legislation, they're going to just keeping on and on, rubbing it in our faces. Like the southern border stuff. I mean, it's very simple. You come into the United States, you cross the border without an official invite from the federal government, you're committing a crime. That alone is a crime. 
Do we take them and hold them responsible according to the law that the legislature passed? No, we pat them on the back. We give them a cell phone. We give them a place to live. We give them money. We give them food to eat. We give them health care. We educate their kids. All of that is immediately, bam, it's in place when they come in across the southern border. And when our authorities are questioned about the people that make the laws, breaking the laws, talk about an oxymoron. And I like the word moron in that context. Jim Jordan, one of my favorite people, he, he yesterday, he got into it. He, when, he gets, when he gets on television and he's talking to one of these talking heads, I'm, 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 I'm referencing not the soundbite you're fixing to hear when I said talking heads because it's a Fox soundbite, Fox Business Network. But he can't stand to talk to these people that always talk down. They diminish and demean anybody that thinks different from them instead of just recognizing this one fact. What people say is their opinion. It may not be truthful, but guess what? They have the unfettered right in the United States of America to hold that and believe it. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes we're wrong. And instead of recognizing and admitting we're wrong and changing, finding out what we need to change to, instead of doing that, we're just going to sit there and continue to scream and holler about it. Listen to Jim Jordan yesterday. He's joining us now, House Judiciary's ranking member. He's Congressman Jim Jordan. Congressman, it's a pleasure to see you again. Thanks for coming Good on. Good to be with you. So you what, you. what exactly will House Republicans do about this? What are you going to do? I mean, voters have been worried about all, all this. Yeah. They keep hearing you're going to hold people to account, but that never seems right. to happen. Well, step one in holding people accountable and stopping this behavior in the future is actually yeah, get all the facts out there. Yeah, but that feels meaningless. Right, well, but because I can't. No, pro- nobody- I, right, I can't. You know, you know, Liz. I can't prosecute anyone. The only, only the Justice Department can. But if you highlight what they've done, you have a better chance of stopping it. And so that's our constitutional duty in the legislative branch, and we're going to focus on that. So, uh, yeah, we. Uh, here's one. Here's one question I have. This Elvis Chan, a, a guy who was working at the FBI, who was doing these weekly briefings in the run up to the 2020 election. I want to talk to him and ask him, did you talk to Jim Baker? You're out there in San Francisco and Northern California. Did you have meetings with Jim Baker? Did Jim Baker get a readout of what you messages and, and information you convey to Twitter and other uh, social media platforms? I think that's a great place to start. We're going to okay. talk to Elvis Chan. We've sent a letter to the Justice Department asking to talk to him. When we get in the majority, okay. I think we'll you have know, that because, opportunity. You know, as MSNBC and CNN, they focus on everything else. The New York Times focuses on everything else that, you know, about Trump or the Capitol riots, this is the First Amendment violation, Congressman. Yep. It's the FBI. It is the FBI stepping in and dictating what, you know, is said on social media. So what are FBI whistleblowers saying? I mean, James Baker shows up at Twitter five months before the 2020 election after yeah. he was a top FBI Democrat guy on debunk Trump Russia, Michael Flynn, Hillary Clinton campaigns, FBI contact to get the debunked Trump Russia Alpha Bank story in. I mean, so you know what I mean? So this is... No, I know. This is the First Amendment violation. 
And this is well, a, this is the bedrock of what a U.S. of what democracy is. It's about the First Amendment. Period. Right. And now we're learning the central player is a guy who, when he was at the FBI as chief counsel, he was involved in the Trump-Russia spying, all that, all that baloney. He was the guy that took the information from Zussman, Clinton's lawyer, about the Alpha Bank hoax and, and scam. Then he goes to Twitter, suppresses the information in 2020. Right, but what are FBI whistleblowers telling you? Sorry, this is, this is serious stuff. What are every, FBI whistleblowers telling you? They're telling me what I was just describing is represents the hierarchy of the FBI. And one whistleblower, one FBI agent who came to us as a whistleblower said, rotten at the core, at the Washington field office, at the upper echelons of the FBI. That's what they're telling us. Not one, multiple whistleblowers have told us that. One whistleblower who went to Senator Grassley said this individual, Timothy Tebalt, who was a top official at the Washington field office in the FBI, is the guy who was partially responsible for suppressing the Hunter Biden story. We had a different whistleblower mention that same name and say he was also an agent who was who was pressuring uh, other agents to label all cases as domestic violence extremists. So politics runs rampant at the Washington field office. That's what we got to uncover. Get all the facts out there so that we can change it and stop it. All right. So we've got a new lawsuit. It reveals government documents that show Twitter also set up a back door for government officials in the CDC to track Twitter posts in the pandemic to stop disinformation. This comes from the America First legal group uh, yesterday. Yeah. We know there's bad information about things like, you know, vaccines, putting microchips in people. That doesn't happen. But, you know, this is, again, the government stepping in. I mean, Barry Weiss, that Substack congressman, she's going right. to get the second release of Twitter files this Friday. Good. Her jaw reportedly hit the floor when she found out it was Jim Baker vetting the Twitter files and there was yeah. a delay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's it's that bad. This this collusion of big tech, big media, big government to keep information from we the people. I said this earlier, but it was actually a colleague of mine who said a couple months ago, when is the FBI just going to stay out of elections and let we the people decide? Because yeah. remember, 2016, it was Trump, Russia. 2018, it was the Mueller investigation. 2020, it was suppression of the Hunter Biden story. 2022, 91 days before the midterm elections, yeah. they raid President Trump's home. And now, just two weeks ago, three days after he announces he's running, what are they and doing? You know, they a special counsel you, to harass so That's five elections in a row. Listen, it's the it's complicity of the media, too. Remember Senator yeah. Chuck Schumer going on Rachel Maddow's show with MSNBC that the U.S. intelligence community can get you every way every which way from, Six Sunday, ways from Sunday and, nev and never push back on that. The FBI is part of the government. Again, that's a First Amendment crisis. We hear you. Yep. But let's listen to Democrat Congressman Ro Khanna on this. Watch this. Look, no one is saying, at least I'm not saying, that any of the sensational pictures or photographs concerning Hunter Biden should be out there. That's not what this was about. This was about a journalist a, at the New York Post writing an article about the situation. And there's no justification for suppressing that. Even if the source of that had gotten that information through something that was hacked, that, that was the case of the Pentagon Papers. And so the FBI should explain uh, what they were doing and what the rationale was. Uh, I certainly hope that and, and expect that they weren't trying to do it uh, to, to bias Twitter against for against uh, or for a particular candidate. That's Democrat Rokana. You can't pass yeah. this off as, oh, this is naked pictures of Hunter Biden. No, it's about the laptop detailing how the Biden right. family was cashing in on Joe Biden's name, selling access to Russia and China right. and Kazakhstan and more. Go ahead. 
and, and Liz, remember the context. You had 51 former Intel officials, Clapper, Brennan, and 40, 49 others who signed that letter that says this has all the earmarks of a Russian misinformation operation. Baloney, it was true. So when, when the FBI comes in weekly and talks to these social media platforms, with that being the context, of course they're going to keep that information from getting to we the people. Again, just days before the most important election we have, that's the problem. The, 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 here's the situation now with Democrats. They don't believe in the First Amendment. Democrats now say, if you, don't, if you don't agree with me, you're not supposed to talk, you're not supposed to share information, and if you do, we're going to call you all kinds of names. That's what, or we're going to suppress it, and that's what happened here. It's so dangerous for the democracy. Congressman Jordan, we thank you for bringing it to light. You we'll bet. have you back on again soon. It's good to see you. So that's a spokesperson from probably the freest news conservative network there is. And then there's Jim Jordan, one of the most powerful Republicans in the U.S. Congress. They expressed in that conversation exactly what I expressed to you. Now, I'm a nobody. I'm just a regular American citizen. I happen to have an Internet uh, streaming show. Why is there a group of people that uh, is growing and growing in New Zealand, in Australia, in Northern Europe that every day listen to this show. Why is that? I've talked to several of them. I've told you about it. We've had a couple of them on the air. Why are they so intent on listening to an internet news show from Louisiana? It's because they look at the United States of America and its structure and its, its government and for their entire lives, this was the dream place on the planet to live because we had more freedom, more rights, and more freedom than any other country on the earth. And they, in large part, live in countries that maybe in New Zealand and Australia and uh, in Switzerland, it's not so top-down, but it's much more top-down and always has been than the United States government. They're looking at what is happening today, what Liz and Congressman Jim Jordan were just talking about. And you know what they're saying? Why are you Americans letting your government fall to pieces and let it become just like the other governments on the planet? And the fundamental thing, the big difference from the United States and even New Zealand and Australia and Switzerland and Italy and other countries on earth. The big thing is that the government does not control the people. And it begins with the First Amendment. That's what Jim Jordan and Liz from Fox Business were just t discussing. What I discussed in our opening. First Amendment, quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. In other words, the people have the unfettered right to exercise religion and freedom of speech. And the example that I heard, I guess first when I was in the third grade and realized what government was all about. 
the First Amendment, this was the example that was given to me by my third grade teacher, Ms. Richardson, at L.J. Alamo Elementary in Lafayette, Louisiana. The first thing I remember about the government and the First Amendment was this. Ms. Richardson, what is what is abridging the freedom of speech or of the press? What does that mean? And you know what she said? I'll never forget it. What that means, Danny, is that anybody has the right to say anything to anyone else they want to, even when the other person doesn't like it. Does it mean they should do that? No, it doesn't. But what it means is, according to law, the First Amendment of the United States, they can do it. That's what separates you and I from the rest of the world. And that's a fact that you and I need to listen to and make part of our psyche because if we don't, they're already way down the road to taking that right away from you. They are. And here's the conundrum. They flip the narrative. Now they operate, they being mainstream media, the Democrat Party, and much of government today, they operate by flipping that. And so what they're trying to make us all live about, instead of the First Amendment saying, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, and on and on and on, what they wanted to say is the American people shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. What they're saying is you don't have the right to disagree with us. We're the government. You don't have the right to start talking about voting and changing our rights that you gave to us, but we've taken and made them unilaterally ours. You think I'm ranting today? No, I'm not. What I'm doing is I'm explaining all of the chaos that you and I are living in and we're hearing about and watching happen firsthand, and most Americans are just watching, not saying anything about it. Don't want to ripple in our ponds that we live in. We don't want to have to deal with that. We've got enough on our plates that we got to deal with. We can't we can't put groceries on the table. I grocery shop with and sometimes for Marianne. I go to the grocery store. I paid $4.50 for a loaf of bread. Now tell me that's not screwed up. Yeah, the price of gas at the pump has gone down a little bit, but I go back to the day Joe Biden was elected president, the day of the election. I paid $1.65 a gallon. Now, why should it be okay for it to go over $3, up close to $4, and in some places over $5? They're trying to normalize that. They're trying to make that be what we think is okay. And if we gripe and say that's not okay, there's something wrong with us. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Redress of grievances. That's what I'm doing right now today. That's what every one of us should be doing every day. Where do you live? If you live in Shreveport, Louisiana, you need to reach out to Congressman Mike Johnson. He represents you. 
He's the congressman from the 4th Congressional District in Louisiana. You need to reach out to the U.S. Senator John Kennedy, one of the two senators that represent you for the Louisiana, everything about the Louisiana people and the government thereof. Reach out, petition the government for a redress of grievances. Talk to them about your concerns in government. And if they don't hear from us, what does that benignly tell them? It's okay. Just keep on trucking. You guys, y'all just go ahead and do it. Your people, your voters, your constituents, they don't mind what you're doing, so that must mean they accept it. So just keep pushing, keep trucking. We are just getting started today. Senator Josh Hawley comes up in just a little bit. One of my favorite people, Dave Rubin, begins to point out some things. This is the place to come early morning, folks. You're going to continue to get examples of wrongdoing, examples of the right way to do things. You're going to get it here. A cryptocurrency, a government in Africa is switching their entire financial economy to cryptocurrency. All of that and a whole lot more ahead at TNN Live. I pass through the trees. I leave behind the mountains. I weave in the air. I fly over the birds and I wish when I complete my journey, I leave behind a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with IV Tech engine, leave behind a better world. Hi, I'm Jet Williams. Even though I never knew my father, Hank Williams, his legacy taught me the meaning of lending a helping hand. That's why I support the Orphan Foundation of America. OFA is committed to providing education, mentoring, and a workplace readiness for thousands of teens aging out of the foster care system. With the help of OFA's support programs, these young people can go to college and trade school, graduate, and make the leap from foster care to success. To learn how you can help, visit Orphan.org. Des Moines HelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month. The one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday you took a selfie, hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday you were at an amusement park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Daves, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Too much spin on your plate? How about a diet of truth? The Truth News Network sets your table. And here again to serve it up is Dan Newman. Prime example of what we're talking about today, Shark Week, one of my favorite television series to come on every year, comes on the same time, and we look all over the world with National Geographic, and we see 
the most amazing things done by sharks, the largest sharks on earth. It's amazing. It's a, it's a really, it's positive. If you're not scared to death of sharks, <laughs> it's a positive series to watch. And so what happens in the run-up? Talking about it's Shark Week. It's coming up. We're going to see all kinds of things. Instead of just talking about that, the mainstream have gone to this. They've been digging and researching and they came up with some facts that we need to change because it's not good, it's not right in their opinions. And what are those facts? There are too many shark hunters that are white and named Mike. And somehow, that's unfair. Somehow, there's something wrong with that. I got to tell you what something is wrong with somebody having the time and the inclination to think that if that is actually true, that it's important. And yet they want to go grab it and find out, aha, look, look over here, look over here. Here's some racism. Here's some sexism. There are too many shark hunters that are named Mike and they're men and they're white. Do you think that matters? A shark's going to eat anybody if he wants to eat anything. (laughs) That's our world, folks. That's the world in which we find ourselves. Big news today overnight. Brittany Griner, that American professional women's basketball league. Can I say women's basketball league anymore? I, just, I don't know. I don't know the terminology. Anyway, you know I'm talking about. She's been released from that Russian penal colony. That's an interesting verbiage to call a Russian prison. Anyway, she got released after the Biden White House was able to come to a deal with the Kremlin on a prisoner swap. She's on a plane right now back to the United States. White House publicly confirmed that. Biden said she would be back in 24 hours. So they had to give up something. Now remember, Griner, she shows up in Russia. She was imprisoned on marijuana-related drug charges when she got there. She's coming back to the U.S. in exchange for guess who? Victor Bout. Now who is Victor Bout? He's an arms dealer. We'll get into more of that in just a second. Griner was facing nine years in jail in Russia. She was expected to toil in sweatshop conditions while sewing for 12 hours or more every day. Biden, he got on his high horse yesterday and he said Griner was in good spirits while returning home after undergoing intolerable circumstances in Russian custody. President said this, Brittany is an incomparable athlete, a two-time Olympic gold medalist for Team USA. She endured mistreatment at a show trial in Russia with characteristic grit and incredible dignity. She represents the best America, the best about America. He didn't mention the fact that... uh, 
she broke the law. The law she broke in Russia, flying into Russia, getting her luggage examined, finding marijuana byproducts that she brought with her, which is illegal in Russia. By the way, it's illegal in the United States, what she did. So that's what she did. And our president says, quote, she represents the best America, the best about America. If that's all the best we have, we're in deep doo-doo. The swap was pretty much a surprise, given that U.S. officials had for months expressed their determination to bring home both Griner and Paul Whelan, a Michigan corporate security executive that's jailed in Russia and has been in jail in Russia since December of 2018 on espionage charges that his family and the U.S. government have said are baseless. Biden made clear the U.S. is still working to bring Whelan home while also celebrating Griner's release. While surrounded by the basketball player's wife, Vice President Kamala Harris, and Secretary of State Antony Blinken. This is a day we've worked toward for a long time. We never stopped pushing for her release, Biden said. It took painstaking and intense negotiations. And I want to thank all the hardworking public servants across my administration who worked tirelessly to secure her release. And he, then he launched into talking about Paul Whelan and we're going to get him out, yada, 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 yada. The president made no mention of American Mark Fogel of Oklahoma, a teacher who was also in Russia on marijuana-related charges. And then they didn't even talk about the swap. Didn't even talk about the swap. Who was the guy they released to Russia? We'll get into that in just a little bit. Victor Bout. I want to move on, but keep in mind, Victor Bout. We're going to talk about that. An interesting bit of news came out overnight. A notorious drug cartel leader and hitman who was suspected of torturing and decapitating dozens of victims, have vanished from the federal prison database despite not being up for release until 2056. This is surreal. A notorious drug cartel leader and a hitman, Edgar Valdez Villarreal, a 49-year-old who goes by the criminal moniker La Barbie, is listed as not in custody on the Bureau of Prisons' website. The Bureau says it released Valdez Villarreal on November 27th, although the Bureau frequently lists inmates as released when they've been transferred to the custody of some other group. Nevertheless, Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador sought answers about that missing criminal last week Reporters asked him about the Carter leader's whereabouts during a press conference. It's very strange what's going on in the United States with Mr. Villarreal, who is no longer registered among those in custody, and we want to know where he is. This is the Mexican president saying that. There's no reason for him to leave prison because he was condemned to many years 
unless there was some sort of agreement. The Bureau of Prisons didn't immediately respond, haven't come forward, but a spokesman told the New York Post they do not comment on prisoner transfers. We do not provide specific information on the status of inmates who are not in the custody of the the Bureau of Prisons for Safety, Security, or Privacy. Valdez Villarreal was born in Texas, got his nickname from a high school football coach who thought his blue eyes made him look like a Ken doll. The young man soon got involved in organized crime, reportedly working with various drug cartels until he joined the Sinaloa cartel under El Chapo. You know who El Chapo is, biggest drug runner in Mexican and U.S. history. He's in jail here, too, is El Chapo. By that time, Villarreal had already become notorious for tarchoing and decapitating his victims, often filming the violence. He was ultimately taken into custody after a firefight with Mexican cops in 2010, leading to his extradition to the United States. And he's just disappeared. He's gone. So what does that mean? Tell you what it means to me. Corruption. Somebody got him out of prison. Somebody got him released. And that couldn't just happen. Ooh, accidentally. It's not something that just fell out of a database in the Bureau of Prisons computer system. Somebody had to do it. And why would somebody do that? This guy decapitated people. He not only killed, but he decapitated some people to scare other people into compliance. Biden administration, they're just rocking and rolling. That rule of law thing, you know, it doesn't mean much to them. Of course, they say it does. The president says it does. He can't. He just can't tolerate anybody breaking the law. But then when that when it happens, and it's somebody in the crime or the breaking the law, the criminality that these people commit, he's okay with, well, that's okay. It's no big deal about those people coming every day in the hundreds and thousands across our southern border, ending up in places all across the United States and endeavoring and being successful in committing horrible crimes against Americans. Nobody's keeping stats about that. How many of the illegal immigrants that are in the United States are committing crime? And what types of crime? And what types of criminals are doing it? The only state that is, is the state of Texas, as far as I know. I'm sure the rest of them are just lumped into their criminal statistics. But Texas keeps the listing of the criminals that are criminal first because they came across the border illegally, and then whatever crimes they commit when they get here. In a two-year period, 600,000 criminal acts committed against Texans by illegal immigrants that came across the southern border. 600,000. 
Now, there are some minor crimes that numbered there. But there's also first-degree murder, aggravated rape, all kinds of criminal acts. You can only imagine everything from top to bottom. And it's because the federal government's okay. They're just people looking for a better life. And, of course, they come from places where they're taught all through their lives the only way to get a better life is to take it from someone else. And if you get to the United States and you've got that in your heart and your mind that the only way to get a better life is to go take it from someone else, it's no big deal. Get across the border. Find a place to live. See something you want to do. See something you want to have. Take it or just do it. Forget about the law the United States government has. Meanwhile, our Department of Energy is touting a $200 million grant that it gave to a lithium battery company. Lithium batteries, of course, that's going to help the United States, going to grow our domestic sources of green energy. And then we only find out that the $200 million grant goes to that plant that operates in China. Microvast is a Texas-based company that primarily operates in China. Received $200 million in grant money provided by our government from the so-called bipartisan infrastructure law to help the United States to do what? To transition to green energy. When the grants were announced in October, Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm touted the investment in American-made products. Jennifer Granholm, former Michigan governor, she is a bastion of facts and truth. This is truly a remarkable time for manufacturing in America, she said. As President Biden's agenda and historic investments supercharge the private sector, to ensure our clean energy future is American-made, producing advanced batteries and components right here at home. We'll accelerate the transition away from fossil fuels to meet the strong demand for electric vehicles, creating more good-paying jobs across the country. But they weren't finished. Additionally, in the grant's announcement, The Department of Energy touted that Microvast is a majority U.S.-owned company traded on NASDAQ that is headquartered in Stafford, Texas, with additional locations in Tennessee, Florida, and Colorado. The Free Beacon. They dug into that story, and they got the facts. Financial records show Microvast almost totally works out of China. Financial records show that. Microvast itself says the Chinese government exerts substantial influence over the manner in which we must conduct our business activities and they may intervene at any time and with no notice. The company was also recently added to a Securities and Exchange Commission watch list of Chinese companies that are on track to be delisted from NASDAQ for failing to comply with U.S. auditing requirements. 
Yeah, a bipartisan infrastructure law. The law states that the Department of Energy should avoid using the grant money in it for any project that uses battery materials supplied by or originating from a foreign entity of concern, including companies subject to the jurisdiction or direction of China. Boy, that's a great thing to say. That's a great promise to make the American people. We get started with $200 billion that we're giving to a Chinese company, but they're good people. They're going to do good things and make these lithium batteries so we can get away from that U.S.-provided fossil fuel. And so what happens? You know what would happen at some point. All of a sudden, bam, Xi Jinping. He flips the switch on microvast, and overnight, we don't have any lithium batteries, Mr. President. How are we going to run these cars these electric cars. Of course, Joe doesn't have to worry about it because Joe will be gone out of office by then, hopefully. It's amazing when you look. It's amazing when you listen, what you can find out if you just peel back the covers. How many places on this planet do you think today Americans are hearing about microvast? And I'm not bragging about TNN Live. What I'm pointing to you is... It should be blasted across every news outlet. Every person should be screaming at their congressmen and congresswomen saying, why, why? Don't let this happen. Cut that off. Find someplace else to make these batteries if we really need those lithium batteries instead of China. Just because you think something's right doesn't mean it's right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. But always get the truth about right and wrong here at TNN, the Truth News Network. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained? Or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified? That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiel's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. It's Super Salmon Days down at Fish Brothers. For a limited time, bring in any fish and get a child salmon entree free. You heard right. Bring in any fish and get a free child salmon entree. And I mean any fish. Got a swordfish lying around? Bring it in. Got a goldfish you're sick of feeding? Bring it in. Got a fish that's been sitting in the sun for a few days? Bring it in. We'll throw it in with the rest of them. What we do with the fish is nobody's business but ours. Just enjoy your salmon $8.99 with our famous stew. So, welcome on into Fish Brothers Seafood Theme Restaurant, where everything's a great catch. Except the shrimp. You know what? I haven't had any really good shrimp of late. I love those big South Louisiana shrimp and you broil them. Oh my gosh, you put great seasoning, Louisiana seasoning on them. I haven't had any of those lately. I guess I just haven't been to the right restaurant. Speaking of uh, seafood and good restaurants, for those of you that ever get into Dallas and head up to North Dallas, 
Ocean Air, all one word, Ocean A-I-R-E. It's probably the best and never changes. Their service, the quality of their food, everything about it is as good as any other place I've ever gone on the planet. And I got to be honest with you, I spent some time in business in uh, Malaysia and talk about good seafood there. It's really, really good, fresh. Uh, I actually have some pictures. I think I posted them one time on uh, truthnewsnet.org, some of the pictures, a plate at a buffet, a lunch buffet, in the Majestic Hotel in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And the picture is of two shrimp. Let me tell you how big they are. Two shrimp cover the plate. And they're cooked really, really well. Not like in Louisiana, though, or at Ocean Air in Dallas at the Galleria. You got to check it out if you like seafood. I don't know what prompted me to weigh in on that with that. But I like shrimp and I like Ocean Air. I was just there a few weeks ago, maybe a week and a half ago. And every time I go, I've been going there for probably 20 years. It's really, really good. Check it out. You got that for free. Dave Rubin, I told you, one of the guys that uh, I have a lot of faith in. He does kind of what I do. He's got a bigger microphone than me. His uh, podcast, a video podcast, is a daily event on uh, the Glenn Glenn Beck's network. But Rubin, he kind of pulls the covers back on some of the uh, crazy stuff that goes on regarding our media. And in the wake of this Twitter thing that Elon Musk opened up and he just dumped into the marketplace all the free, true ideas and facts about the oppression of American citizens' First Amendment rights by our government. Here's the latest from Dave Rubin. So how is the media reacting? How is the corporate press, which was all about people getting fired and all about people getting censored and all about people complying and not all about people protesting and not all about people exercising their free speech. How are they feeling about this this leak right now? How are they feeling about the fact that we know that an FBI lawyer was censoring documents that Elon Musk was trying to release to the people. He's going around mainstream media. That's what this is really about. What the side story to all of this is not just the information that we're learning about the coordination. The side story is that Elon did not release the Twitter files to CNN or to the New York Times or to Washington Post or even the Wall Street Journal. He released it to Matt Taibbi, who is an independent journalist. He released it to Barry Weiss, who is an independent journalist. By the way, they both happen to be left-leaning. Taibbi, I I think now he's kind of coming around to this side, let's say, Uh, but he was a huge, huge progressive lefty five, six years ago. And Barry, you guys know I have certain frustrations with her, but she's still basically a lefty Democrat. Like I would argue very muddled and confused about all the issues. It's not like he brought the information to crazy freaking Ben Shapiro and Glenn Beck, right? He gave it to lefties. But the point is, it doesn't matter who he gives it to, they're gonna try to take him out because he didn't give it to them. Uh, here's CNN's Christine Romans saying that, nah, this stuff, that's not a big deal. Why, 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 why
Now, what some want you to think is that this was censorship by big tech, and that's why the president is saying you should throw out the Constitution because big tech is in cahoots with American democracy. That's what the president thinks. But what it sort of shows is a real struggle at an important platform for how to deal with something so outrageous, so explosive, and, and what to actually do with it. Uh, what Pointer said, which is a, a media watchdog group, they said, um, file this one under, file the Twitter files under M for meh, and the Washington Post said there are no, no smoking gun here. God. So this lady on CNN basically says this is nothing. And then she refers to a website, Pointer, which is a media watchdog, which no doubt gets lefty money. Like, it's just obvious. And what are they saying? Ah, it's not much. What's Washington Post saying? Owned by another billionaire, right? What are they saying? Ah, nah, nothing to look at. Do you guys think it's nothing to look at? But man, they can confuse you about everything. So the average person, and we just have to accept that, you know, these people, I don't want to get rid of them. I don't want to silence them. I don't want to take away their voting rights or kick them out of the country, but we have to, ex we have to accept. And I think the last election is proof of it. We have to accept that a certain amount of people just buy the state line. They just are non-playable characters. That's the NPC meme. They just, if they hear something, that's how it is. Mainstream said it, so that's how it is. Sure, six months later, two years later, you know, 60 Minutes will acknowledge that the Hunter Biden laptop is real after uh, they told Donald Trump to his face that it's not real and they can't cover it. But that's all right. And that's why I keep saying the truth is a time-release pill these days. That's what we're finding out. The truth is a time-release pill. Now, keep that in mind. The reason I waited to tell you about the other half of the Brittany Griner trade was I wanted you to hear from Dave Rubin first. You heard what he said about information. So who is Victor Bout, B-O-U-T? He was the trade. The United States had Victor Bout in jail, and we traded him for Brittany Griner. So what did we, we give Vladimir Putin for Brittany? Bout's nickname is of death. He's a flamboyant arms dealer in his mid-50s with Russian military training. He begot, became a millionaire by raiding the armories of the collapsing Soviet Union in the early 90s and using old Soviet cargo planes to transport his black market weapons to conflict zones all around the world. His criminal genius has been hailed by every international law enforcement agency that went after him. He was smart enough, he mixed his weapon shipments with more legitimate cargoes, posturing as a humanitarian who just wanted to sell cheap food to starving Africans. Meanwhile, he was selling guns to every bad actor from Al-Qaeda and Hezbollah to both the Taliban and its enemies in Afghanistan. Bout was bagged in Thailand back in 2008 while he was trying to sell weapons to Colombian terrorists who are actually CIA agents in disguise. He was not just selling his murderous Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia customers a few pistols, the deal included, listen to this, 800 surface-to-air missiles, they're called SAMs, 
30,000 AK-47 rifles, 10 million rounds of ammunition, 5 tons of C-4 plastic explosives, ultralight airplanes outfitted with grenade launchers, and unmanned aerial vehicles. So we get Brittany Griner back, who's a basketball player. Yeah, she's African-American. Yeah, she's gay. So we traded this guy for Brittany Griner. And we left Paul Whelan in jail, who did nothing wrong. He's been in jail for two years over there, charged with espionage. He's a business guy. He's still there. And we gave up a guy that has murdered thousands of people. There's no telling how many people have died at the hands of all the weapons that he sold since the late 2005, 6, 7, 8 time around the world. Now, why would we do that? Does that sound like an equal trade? No, it really isn't. Nobody can justify it unless, of course, you're a Democrat in power in Washington and you need to cement the fact to minority Americans that you care more for them than you do for anybody else. That it's okay. A convicted drug trafficker, well, not a trafficker, but user, going into a foreign country bearing drug paraphernalia and drugs, We trade this guy that's done all of this nastiness and killed all these people and broken all these laws through the years. And we trade him for Brittany Griner. That's how our government rolls today, folks. That's where we are. Wow. A lot of um, I gotchas in the stories here today. Here's another fun one. A congressional report found that an obscure financial technology company with little to zero oversight from their lenders have fueled rampant paycheck protection program fraud, PPP. We knew there would be fraud in the PPP program. There is in any government giveaway. Always has been, always will. That's just kind of factored in. How much did this one cost us? $64 billion. Little-known financial tech companies, also known as fintechs, F-I-N-Techs, T-E-C-H-S. Those fintechs have taken billions in fees from taxpayers while become easy targets for those who sought to defraud the PPP program. Now, this wasn't the Biden administration. This was discovered by a House select subcommittee on the COVID crisis. The committee began its probe after they got reports that fintechs participating in the PPP approved a high volume of fraudulent PPP loan applications. This Paycheck Protection Plan, which passed Congress in the spring of 2020, offered unprecedented support for small business owners to help them maintain operations and keep their employees throughout the Chinese COVID pandemic. No more than three years after this program went into effect, however, it's clear 
small business owners, we're not the only ones to benefit from this program. At least tens of billions of PPP funds were likely dispersed to ineligible or fraudulent applicants, often with the involvement of fintechs causing tremendous harm to taxpayers. But it's only $64 billion. <laughs> The report added that fintechs were given extraordinary responsibility in administering the nation's largest pandemic relief program, a responsibility that some of the fintechs that facilitated the highest volumes of loans were either unable or unwilling to fulfill. Many of these companies appear to have failed to stop obvious and preventable fraud, leading to the needless loss of at least $64 billion taxpayer dollars. One of these fintechs called Cabbage, Cabbage spelled with a K, had furloughed half of its employees who were tasked with assessing risk and reviewing accounts. Nonetheless, Cabbage continued funding these loans by outsourcing the work to, quote, temporary contractors. Despite the risk of fraud, Cabbage made staffing reductions throughout 2020 that weakened its capacity to address fraud. This all came out of that subcommittee investigation. Now, what's going to happen to all that? Not a thing. Not a thing. It's only $64 billion. Oh, my gosh, and these 83,000, 87,000 new IRS agents, they're going to go after these big corporations that don't pay any taxes and they're going to make them make up the difference. They're going to go collect more than the $64 billion that was lost here. So they're going to make it up. It's going to be okay. Where are they going to get it from? They say these billionaire companies, they're going to get all that money from them. There are 600 billionaires in the nation. So it takes 87,000 new IRS agents to go get that money, make sure those people, 600 billionaires, haven't been cheating the government. No, there's not enough. There's not enough business. There's not enough billionaire investigations to take up the time of 87,000 new IRS agents. They assure us they're not going after Middle-class Americans, they're going to go after these billionaires. It wouldn't take 87,000, at most, five or 600. So what are those other IRS agents going to do? They're going to come find you. Uh, they're going to come after you. You're going to pay out of your pocket some of that $64 billion. We both know that's not going to happen. There's no there there. Heard about the latest from AOC? Well, she's being investigated by the House Ethics Committee. Oh my gosh. The darling of the left, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Democrat of New York. The committee announced the Office of Congressional Ethics forward an inquiry to the Ethics Committee on June 23rd this year. It suggests the office believes AOC violated House ethics rules. I'm looking at the release from the U.S. House of Representatives. 
It's titled Statement of the Active Chairwoman and Acting Ranking Member of the Committee on Ethics Regarding Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Pursuant to House Rule 11, Clause 3BA, and Committee Rules 17A, B, 1A, and 17A, J, the acting chairwoman and acting ranking member of the Committee on Ethics have jointly decided to extend the matter regarding Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, which was transmitted to the Committee by the Office of Congressional Ethics on June 23rd. The Committee notes that the mere fact of a referral or an extension and the mandatory disclosure of such extension in the name of the subject of the matter does not itself indicate that any violation has occurred or reflect any judgment on behalf of the committee. The committee will announce its course of action in the matter following its organizational meeting and adoption of committee rules in the 118th Congress. That was dated December 7th. So what's it all about? Well, the committee released a statement that said that Acting Chairwoman Wild, who's a Democrat from Pennsylvania, and Acting Ranking Member Michael Guest, a Republican from Michigan, jointly decided to extend the matter regarding AOC, which was transmitted to the committee. You just heard about it. Committee notes that the mere fact of a referral or an extension, it doesn't mean she's guilty. They said it will announce its course of action, yada, yada, yada. So it was unclear. And why would any entity or any individual in Congress write such a letter and make it clear? They wrote the letter because that's part of the requirements when there's a congressional ethics investigation underway. It didn't say what the investigation into AOC was about. However, multiple ethics watchdog groups filed complaints against her after she attended the Met Gala last year, Metropolitan Museum of Art. Those ethics groups argued AOC received an impermissible gift to attend the Met Gala, which she didn't pay to attend, despite tickets reportedly ranging from $35,000 to $50,000. Under the rules of the House, members of Congress are not allowed to accept gifts, except if they fall under certain exemptions like widely attended events or charity functions. Back in September of 2021, the American Accountability Foundation wrote this, specifically, we believe AOC has violated Clause 5 of Rule 25 of the Rules of the House, commonly known as the gift rule, by accepting admission to the Met Gala, whose per seat cost is reported to range from $35,000 to $50,000 without having a permissible exemption to allow the acceptance of the lavish gift. Further, the Ethics Watchdog Foundation for Accountability and Civic Truck also called for an ethics review regarding AOC's attendance. This is really serious crap. (laughs) You may remember she's the one that uh, wore that white gown. And let me just say this about AOC. She's a gorgeous woman. She really is. 
And in this gown, when I saw it, it took my breath away. It's white, and all over it, there are big, look like they're handmade red letters, and there are three words. Tax the rich. That's on the gown she wore to the Met Gala that she didn't pay for the ticket to go to. Probably didn't pay for the dress either. This is what we're concentrating on our representatives in Washington, D.C., about her going to the Met because somebody gave her the ticket. Come on now. (laughs) We don't have anything else that's more important than Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez cheating and going to a lavish gala at the Met? Oh, my gosh. That's just a drop in the bucket. (laughs) If that's the wrongest wrongdoing by any member of Congress, and we're conscious, I I just spent three, four, five minutes on that. But I had to bring it to your attention to tell you, they're hard at work for us, folks. We sent them to D.C., and they're standing in the gap for us, and they're making sure their fellow representatives aren't breaking ethics rules. So it is said. So let it be done. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of Craftsman. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G Ultra Wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Welcome back to the King Value Radio Network. I'm your host, Sandy. And I'm your other host, Carl. Sandy, we are getting loads of calls today about the fresh new $1 Double Crispy Cheesy Burger. Well, hello. With two flame-broiled patties, crispy onions, and cheesy sauce for only a buck, that's no surprise. Jim from Tucson, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, guys. I just want to say I took your advice, went to Burger King, I got a new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger for a buck. I couldn't be happier. Oh, congratulations. Say, Jim, what was your favorite part of the delicious new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger? The Flame Fresh Taste. Well, I'll tell you, it had two big flame-broiled patties, plus it had crispy onions and cheesy sauce, too. It was really delicious. Oh, don't forget the price, Jim. Oh, yeah, and it only costs a dollar. It's probably the best purchase I ever made. Probably, Jim. Okay, definitely. Yeah, there it is. is. Get the new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger with double the Flame Fresh Taste. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Isn't it incredible that in the middle of all of this horrible stuff Americans are dealing with, I mean, the four students from Moscow, Idaho, brutally murdered, have no idea who did it, at least the cops there don't. 
or at least they haven't said or given us any, any indication they have any uh, clues on who might have done it. Just imagine how that overnight changed the lives of those friends and family members. Many of the students from that university, they just left and went home. They're scared to, to death. Middle of the night, somebody comes in their house and brutally slaughters them. Nobody wants to be part of that. That's just one example. And it's almost like mainstream media when there are these really important things going on. Like, I got to be honest with you, folks. This southern border thing may be the biggest thing that's happened in the last 20 years to the United States of America. We know it's negatively impacting our nation in some way or ways. And if it was something that did not fit into the narrative of the political left, the mainstream media would be all over it every day. And we'd be hearing it nonstop. It would be so loud that Americans would finally scream in unison to D.C., stop the insanity. But it plays perfectly into the left's ideals, which is we got to get voters to sustain our power in the Democrat Party in perpetuity. How do we do that? We get these people to come in from Central America and other parts of the world. We find eventually a way to make them citizens, give them the right to vote, and shame them into the understanding and realization that we're the party that brought them in here, gave them this new life, and so they're obligated to vote for us. So we'll live under authoritarian rule, just like half of the countries in Europe and Asia live in. And there will be a small but very powerful group of politicians in D.C. that control everything. We have no rights. What is kind of the consensus of things going on in Ukraine when we start talking about the invasion of Ukraine by Vladimir Putin and Russia? And the big hero is Volodymyr Zelensky former comedian, stand-up comedian, who got elected to be the president of Ukraine. Have you ever stopped for a minute and asked yourself, what would a stand-up comedian, what are the things that he would bring to the table to help the people of Ukraine? And I got to be totally honest with you. If you listen to this show every day, Back in the beginning when Vladimir Putin invaded, I was all in the camp for Zelensky. I mean, he actually appeared to be a statesman, an international statesman. But as this whole thing progressed, it just seemed, it just seemed like something was not right. By the way, I just, I just got a flash, a news flash, the house just approved the same-sex marriage bill. We'll get into that more in upcoming days, but I will tell you, there's much more in it than approving same-sex marriages. And it's going to be a bad deal. All that for another show. Back to Zelensky. Things just didn't seem to fit together. We've sent him $100 billion dollars. That's the number they give us in Washington, D.C., $100 billion. Uh, Dustin Teo, one of the wealthiest men on the planet, he's also 
the biggest owner of Bitcoin. He's a very good friend of this show and to me personally. He was on this show, I guess, late last week. Today's Thursday. I forget which day it is. Maybe Monday of this week. But nevertheless, he was on this show and he revealed to us that a huge chunk of that $100 billion did not go directly to Ukraine, but it went into cryptocurrency. And as it was being sent and used as cryptocurrency in Ukraine, some of it just happened to get in other hands, and it's basically untraceable. That's part of the things about cryptocurrency that are good. Of course, anybody can take any good thing and make it evil. And that's the whole point. So I'm saying all that in the context of this. What's the facts about Volodymyr Zelensky and his government and the way his government has governed the nation of Ukraine? Certainly we hear nothing negative about that, do we? Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. So you remember when Russia invaded Ukraine in February. And at that time, our leaders told us this wasn't some faraway conflict in Eastern Europe. This was our war. No military should ever be allowed to invade a sovereign nation, they told us. Iraq and Afghanistan obviously not included in that rule. The invasion of Ukraine could not stand because it was a matter of first principles. But more than that, it was a world historic moral battle that we were obligated to join. It was very clear Vladimir Putin was pure evil. He was Hitler reborn. The Ukrainian President Zelensky was his mirror image. He was saint-like, self-denying, brave, honest, very handsome. And Zelensky was fighting for the very same ideals that our country was founded on. A number of news outlets, including CNN and the LA Times, compared him to George Washington. So they told us that with one voice, month after month. No disagreement allowed. Not surprisingly, it worked. Americans fell hard for President Zelensky. They all did. Even in rural areas that voted against Joe Biden, you saw Ukrainian flags hanging from mailboxes. To many people, it felt like World War II again, the good war, a battle against tyranny abroad for the sake of freedom and democracy at home. Well, the better part of a year later, it's getting harder and harder to believe any of this. Whatever you think of the war in Ukraine, it is pretty clear that Zelensky has no interest in freedom and democracy. In fact, Zelensky is far closer to Lenin than to George Washington. He is a dictator. He is a dangerous authoritarian who has used $100 billion in U.S. tax dollars to erect a one-party police state in Ukraine. And that's not an overstatement. Over the past year, Zelensky has banned opposition parties. He shut down critical media by force. He's arrested his political opponents. He has sent soldiers into churches. Zelensky's secret police have raided monasteries across Ukraine, even a convent full of nuns, and arrested dozens of priests for no justifiable reason whatsoever and in clear violation of the Ukrainian constitution, which no longer matters. And in the face of this, the Biden administration has said nothing, not one word. Instead, they just continued to push to send Zelensky more tax dollars. So naturally, Zelensky has become much bolder. Why wouldn't he? Last week, he announced his plan to ban an entire religion, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, and to seize its property, all for being insufficiently loyal to his regime. And he said it out loud. Watch this. 
We have to create such conditions when any people dependent on the country aggressor won't be able to manipulate Ukrainians and weaken Ukraine from within. First, the National Security and Defense Council instructed the government to submit to the Verkhovna Rada, a draft law on making it impossible for religious organizations affiliated with centers of influence in the Russian Federation to operate in Ukraine. A free country does not ban a major religion just because it's not fully on board with the political program of the people running the country. But Zelensky's doing that, and his cabinet is now devising ways to punish Christians for practicing their banned ancient religion in Ukraine. Quote, personal, economic, and restrictive sanctions will be applied to any Christian caught worshiping in unapproved ways. Now, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church is more than a thousand years old. With the full backing of the Joe Biden administration and the U.S. Congress, Zelensky has decided to ban it. So here's the response of one bishop to the news. You're not allowed to send soldiers into churches. You're not allowed to arrest dozens of priests because they refuse to bow before you. You're not allowed to ban whole religions. So most of the U.S. media, most, have just ignored this. Some have made excuses for it. Oh, he has to do this because there's a war. But there's no justification for this whatsoever. The Ukrainian Orthodox Church is not Russian, it's Ukrainian. It has no connection to the Putin government. It has, in fact, officially denounced the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So once again, there is no justification for destroying and banning this church. And yet Zelensky's many celebrity backers in the West have said nothing about it. And they should know better. In May, George W. Bush, the great defender of Christendom, met with Zelensky on a Zoom call and afterward described him as the Winston Churchill of our time, a man who should be praised for his, quote, commitment to liberty. So where's George W. Bush on this question? Now that his friend, the George Washington of Ukraine, has banned a form of Christianity in that country. Well, George W. Bush has been silent as well. So have many purportedly Christian members of Congress. They're backing Zelensky no matter how many Christians he arrests, no matter how many churches he seizes. To the Ukrainian people, uh, you can expect the Congress to, to be there with you in terms of supporting your efforts to maintain your freedom. Everything that we can do uh, to be helpful to them as they, fight for, as they fight for their freedom. I think the history of the 21st century turns on how fiercely mm -hmm. we defend freedom in Ukraine. We will continue to provide military equipment so that Ukraine can defend its territory and its freedom. The United States will continue our unwavering support for Ukraine as it defends its freedom. And let's get the job done so that we can save lives in Ukraine and defend the cause of freedom. The free world had no choice. America could not stand by. The American people did what they always had done, defend freedom around the world. Every single person you just watched has campaigned, many of them make a habit of campaigning, Lindsey Graham, ladies and gentlemen, in Christian churches in the United States. Will a single Christian leader say anything to them about this? You are funding the destruction of Christianity in Ukraine? Oh, but it's the cause of freedom, really? The reality is that Ukrainians cannot listen to media outlets that criticize the Zelensky government because they've been banned. 
They cannot play music from Russian singers. No, this is not in Taliban-controlled Afghanistan. This is in the democracy of Ukraine that we support. They can't play music from Russian singers. They can't vote for an opposition party because they've all been shut down. And now their churches are being raided and their priests arrested. So the fact that our leaders are calling this freedom tells you a lot about what they're planning here. Of course, why would you defend this? Because you approve of it. For its part, Ukraine's defense ministry has stopped pretending this is about freedom. They're just happy they're getting paid and they're finally crushing any opposition in their own country. And that's why Ukraine's military is now using your tax dollars to produce choreographed dance videos for social media consumption. Sort of like the COVID nurses. Here's one of them. It's just a grotesque postmodern psyop, and anyone who's fallen for this is brain damaged. This is the same Ukrainian defense ministry that lied about the ghost of Kiev and the sailors who cursed out the Russian ship. Now they're just having fun because they're beating their real enemies, which, of course, as always, are domestic. And Time magazine is fully on board with this. They just informed their four remaining readers that Zelensky's president is the person of the year. And the media chorus is in full scream. John Meacham. The purported historian on MSNBC believes that Zelensky is really a lot like the Pope. Zelensky is being fired by the best fundamental impulses in human nature, which is to stand, to defend, to articulate, to fight back. And I think it's also important to remember that he is a performer. Uh, that's where he started. John Paul II was a performer. Uh, Ronald Reagan was a performer. Winston Churchill understood the means of the media of his time. He understood the power of radio. Yeah. Franklin Roosevelt understood radio. It's not coincidental that great leaders understand. Great leaders. So if they'll defend a man who shut down opposition media, arrested his political opponents, arrested priests, sent the army into monasteries and then banned a religion, if they'll defend all of that and call it liberty, they'll defend anything. I know that many of you are shocked to have just heard that about Volodymyr Zelensky. It was always bubbling in the back of my head. And here's my fundamental premise. When I look at leaders in other nations, and sadly look at leaders in our very own nation, I look at them, no matter what they say, no matter what they represent, no matter what factually they put out there, I always stop and ask the question, what's the reality of what they're saying? What do they really mean? What are they really talking about? What do they really feel? Now, do you think, based upon the actions that you just heard Tucker Carlson tell us, and those are facts, based upon those actions, if while this was all happening, our media, and make no mistake about it, the media see the same thing you and I see. They report on it, however, based upon their perspective. They need heroes people that will do good things, make great statements, be good communicators, and that they feel like they can use for their 
purposes. And so everything that person that they've identified as useful to them, I mean, mainstream media, Lindsey Graham, Senator, you just heard him say great positive things about Zelensky. But watching what they actually do makes it things it makes things look a little different. The the facts as they are exposed should change our minds about a lot of people. There is no way, based upon everything you and I have been told about Zelensky, there's no way that we should be okay with him banning a religion that's been around for hundreds of years in Ukraine. What did we talk about earlier about our First Amendment? Have you forgotten what it was? Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now, Ukraine is not the United States of America. Ukraine doesn't have the Constitution of the United States. Ukraine doesn't have the First Amendment. But it is a place that has always been considered since it became its own nation after it was taken out of or left the Soviet Union and became a sovereign nation, we expect everybody, every other country to operate based upon government and their people just like ours does. We have given this man $100 billion. And based upon what you just heard and the acts that he has been doing and is doing, he's a despot. He's a comedian. He's an actor. And so he's acting like one. We should not be surprised, should we? We just learn new things every day about people. And sometimes it's very disappointing. I held him up back in February. I held him up as a hero. And in some respects he may be, but he's being propped up to be something that He's not all of what he's being portrayed to be. Let's move on. This was a shocker for me. More than 1,100 New York Times employees, they're going to strike. New York Times now, they're going to strike. 24-hour strike set to begin tonight at midnight following the company's failure to reach an agreement with their union. I didn't even know the New York Times had a union, but they do. Representative Jamal Brown, who's a Democrat from New York, and others are encouraging readers not to cross the digital picket line. And they're encouraging those readers to boycott the Times for 24 hours while the union workers are on strike. Here's what he said. Peace and love, everyone. 
Tonight at midnight, 1,100 journalists from the New York Times are going to be going on a 24-hour strike. Don't cross the digital picket line. Let us stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters who are walking off the job in protest to make sure they earn the wages they deserve. Let us not cross the digital picket line. Let's stand with them and tell your friends, do not consume their news from the New York Times tomorrow. We'll get it from somewhere else, but stand with our brothers and sisters in labor, peace, and love. Now, when I saw this, it's an interesting thing to me because, you know, I'm in media. What we do here is media. And the New York Times, just like the Washington Post, have always been set up for you and I to believe that they are the bastions of freedom and liberty in the press and that these are the sources that we should look to to give us our facts and our information. And they're going on strike. We're asking readers, they said, to not engage in any New York Times platforms tomorrow. This was yesterday. They were saying it about tonight. And stand with us on the digital picket line. Read local news. Listen to public radio. Make something from a cookbook. Break your wordle streak. This came from the second vice president, Amanda Hess, of the News Guild of New York. The over 1,100 times workers who are going on strike tonight, they make up a big portion of the roughly 1,800 people that work at the Times in the newsroom. Honestly, I didn't think it was that big. I thought with electronics today, they could pare down their expenses and didn't have to have 1,800 people working there. But what do I know? The strike comes in the middle of unsuccessful negotiations between the Times and and the New York Times Guild to renegotiate the last contract that expired in March of 2021. Since the contract's expiration, roughly 40 bargaining sessions have occurred between the parties, but negotiators have failed to come to an agreement on salaries and health and retirement benefits, among other issues. The Times explained this. Compensation remains the most contentious aspect of the negotiations. The Times has offered union members a 5.5% raise upon ratification of our contract, 3% raises in 2023 and 2024, and a 4% retroactive bonus to compensate for a lack of raises since the contract expired. The union has proposed a 10% raise. In other words, double. 5.5% raises in 2023 and 2024, and an 8.5% retroactive bonus. Now, why am I bringing this up? I'm, I'm just telling you, life in the world outside of your world, life in the world outside of my world, it's totally different from mine. And... It's totally different from yours. We have our own lives. We have our own issues in our lives. We make our own choices. We make our own decisions. And that's what we need to do. Don't look at somebody and denigrate them just because of a perception you get from them. Wait, listen, watch, and get the facts. We just talked about Volodymyr Zelensky. 
Most of us, if not all of us, we felt like he's a good guy. He's a good guy, but it's not always as it seems to be. Josh Hawley, senator from Missouri, like him a lot. I look at there being some really big things, bigger things in his political future. I can even see him making a run at some point for the White House. But he he weighed in on the disinformation board in the Department of Homeland Security. Now, wait a minute. That was abolished. We were told that was abolished. It's no longer in action. Lie. It is in action. It has been in action. We shouldn't believe anything that comes out of the Department of Homeland Security. Alejandro Ocasio-Cortez, she's bad enough, but Alejandro Mayorkas, he makes her look like an angel. And she may look like an angel to some of you. She is beautiful. But if she is an angel, he's the devil. What they've done is they've lied to us. They have treated the American people like fools. You know, the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alexander Alejandro Mayorkas, rather, came before Congress and said, oh, the board never met. Don't worry, the board never met. Well, it turns out that's not true. They had a steering committee that was meeting for months that was giving direction to other agencies of the government. We know they tried to set up a meeting with Twitter. We know that they were meeting with Facebook. We know that they were coordinating with liberal dark money groups. We've got the emails now where dark money groups from the left, these advocacy groups, are sending emails and instructions, memos, to this disinformation board and saying, basically, here's what we think you ought to do, trying to influence their policy. It is the most unbelievable collusion that you can imagine, Sean. And they lied about all of it. And now they've said, oh, we're not doing it anymore. That's not true. What they're doing now is they've got all of these different agencies all across DHS, all across the FBI, other agencies of the government involved in this so-called disinformation, which is really censorship. I mean, it's it's true. You can't argue with that. It comes out this disinformation board when we were told it was it was just excoriated. It was done away with. It wasn't going to happen. You remember the girl? I forget her name, and she sang the Disney song, and she was going to run this disinformation board. Where did the term disinformation even originate? Where did it come from? It sounds to me like a totalitarian military term that the people in the Soviet Union, a World War II Germany, would call a, a branch of their government the disinformation agency. What does it mean? What it means is this. If you think differently about any one issue or any two or three or four or five issues, then does the people in power in our government, comparing ours to theirs, if you think differently, you're guilty of disinformation. If you dare to say it publicly or print it publicly, truthnewsnet.org, our website, oh, it's a disinformation agency. They're out there spreading lies. We've got to put them down. It's like a, a dog that's about to die and you want to spare it from any further pain You put them down. That's what they want to do. Make no mistake about it. They want to silence you if you think differently from them. Not everybody, not everyone in the government. Don't get me wrong. I'm talking about the consensus of mainstream media in cahoots with the far left especially. 
They don't want you speaking. They don't want you out there telling the truth. They want us all to just sit down and shut up. When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love and takes only seconds to make. Starbucks Via Instant, the only instant coffee of its kind. Available in black flavored lattes and iced coffee. Hi, Tom Bodette, quote, checking in on my smartphone. Everyone's checking in nowadays at airports, restaurants, appointments with certain medical specialists. Seriously, people, TMI. Anyway, thanks to the Motel 6 mobile app, you can book a clean, comfortable room at Motel 6 on your smartphone and get a great rate. Then when you get to Motel 6, you can check in after you check in. Your friends will be totes jealous. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. There are two things that I specifically want to talk about before we end the show today. Two stories, one to kind of describe exactly what we were talking about before that break. NBC News senior reporter, a guy named Ben Collins, he's repeatedly and openly criticized Elon Musk and how Elon is handling his own company, Twitter, raising questions into whether he can report impartially on the topic. Collins, left-leaning, he covers, quote, disinformation extremism in the Internet. That's according to NBC News website. He describes his job as covering the dystopia beat on his Twitter bio, and Collins has emerged as a chief antagonist of Musk Twitter leadership and has repeatedly scolded Musk during TV appearances and on his own social media. Recent NBC News reports headline, quote, there's an exodus of Twitter executives, including the head of trust and security, as Musk chaotic reign continues. Musk fires Twitter engineers after critical post on Twitter and Slack, and should I delete my direct messages? What Twitter has on you and what you can and can't do about it were either written by Collins or he contributed to them. But while NBC News bills itself as a nonpartisan source of trusted info, Collins hasn't bothered to hide his disdain for Musk, whose poking of the media digs at political correctness and dalliances with right-wing figures online have made him into a villain on the left. Remember two weeks ago, they loved, everybody loved Elon Musk. Tuesday night, Collins mocked the Tesla mogul for declaring he recently found out Twitter hired a former FBI attorney 
to serve as an in-house counsel before he purchased the tech giant. The scandal here is that Elon Musk discovered who his company's deputy general counsel was six weeks after he bought it. When journalist Matt Tybee wrote Friday about the so-called Twitter files, Collins mocked him for the humiliating SHIT of doing PR work for the richest person in the world. Notably, a host of other left-wing figures used almost identical language to attack TB, which didn't escape the journalist's attention. Looking forward, going through all the tweets, complaining about PR for the richest man on earth, and seeing how many of them have run stories for anonymous sources at the FBI, CIA, the Pentagon, White House, Tybee responded. But that wasn't the only tweet in which he offered his opinion on the Twitter files. Collins, who's a frequent guest on shows like Joy Reads on MSNBC, spent much of his evening Tuesday attacking Musk and TB. They've just opened the can of whoop-ass on every person that wants to talk about anything conservative. Joe Biden, he's presided over a failed economy, an economic recovery marred by rampant inflation, a Democrat mega-donor's multi-billion dollar fraud scheme. There is a silver lining to the sluggish economy. Corporate diversity consultants and left-wing hack journalists are getting fired at a rapid pace. I just wanted to point that out to you before we end the show today to tell you, as bad as things seem, always there's a silver lining. I encourage you to find the silver lining and look down on the other stuff. Don't let the other stuff ruin your day. Find the best in your life, the people, the things. Hold them close. You guys have a great day and we're going to end. This is my nephew, Des Duran. See ya. I'll be home for Christmas. You can count on me. Have snow and mistletoe and presents under the tree. Oh, Christmas Eve will find me where.
头。